Our Father in heaven, we are so grateful to be called children of God. Lord, we praise you for all the things you do. And thank you again for that powerful testimony that our brother shared this morning. God, that you chose us in Jesus Christ and you use us. And God, we know that you have so much more for us than we can even think or imagine. So God, this morning, would you come and use your word, use the Holy Spirit and guide us and draw us like a magnet into your presence and into your arms. We pray in Jesus' name. And God's people said, Amen. 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 So, Jan, I didn't tell my singer that uh, to use that microphone on. It's always been turned off. If you look, there should be a power button. Just push it home for a sec. Well, I can come off. There you go. Thank you. Thank you. First Thessalonians 5. 16-24 Be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not put out the Spirit's fire. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. Test everything. Hold on to the good. Avoid every kind of evil. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. May God add his blessing to the reading of the word. Amen. Everybody said, Amen. Amen. The word of God. So this is a great passage. I know that you're probably pretty familiar with that in 1 Thessalonians, that end of that uh, passage. It's sort of a neat little thing. And I'd like to just start this morning with that as a sort of a kickoff, a foundation for our time in God's Word this morning. Uh, Chuck Swindoll, when he talks about 1 Thessalonians, he says it's, he calls it contagious Christianity. This is, this is a neat group of people at the church in Thessalonica. It's one of the earliest books in Paul's epistles, maybe the earliest, if, if not the second earliest. And there's a bunch of young Christians in this church. So it's a young church. It's contagious Christianity. God's really working. A lot of neat things are going on. He calls it a church with the right stuff. I like that. The church with the right stuff. And so the chapter 5, which Jan read, is, the, of course, the end of it. The chapter 5, the conclusion, you might say. And, and that section that she read is sort of the conclusion to the whole chapter. And, it, and uh, we could call that gems. Gems that make us contagious Christians. In that, And so there's a lot of powerful little statements, as you notice there, that the Lord tells me, he says, rejoice always. Boy, that, that's easy, right? He's, he says, pray unceasingly. We'll be talking about that. He says, give thanks in all circumstances. He says, don't quench the spirit. Don't say no to what God, the Holy Spirit, is doing in your life. And he says, do not despise prophetic messages. Don't despise messages from God, but what? Test them. And see if it's accurate or not. See if it's from God or not, right? And then stay away from all evil. And then I love it. He closes the passage with a sort of prayer of benediction. May God sanctify us completely through and through. Through and through. Why? Because God who called us is what? Faithful. 
He is faithful. So it's, it's a great, great passage here. And uh, so there's a lot that we could say about that passage. And, uh, and so it's, you can do your own study and prayer about it too. But I would like to lift out just the one phrase. And uh, you might say it is sort of a hobby horse that I have. And it has to do with the one on prayer. And so my, my burden in my life and, and in what God is doing in many of our lives is we need to keep the water boiling. We need to keep the water boiling about prayer. We need to keep at it. We need to keep studying it. We need to keep talking about it. We need to keep doing it. And we need to keep praying about prayer. And so if you don't mind, that's the phrase that I'd like to lift out for us this morning. It's that second one in verse 17 where God says what? Pray continually or without ceasing, depending on your translation. And so let me see if I got this on here. Maybe I don't. What do I need to do here? Okay, there it is. So there's our passage, and uh, may the Lord teach us this morning. And and I, you know, I just want to say right at the beginning, I'm definitely not coming at this as any kind of expert, or like I know what I'm doing a lot. I'm just like you. I'm learning, and I'm just thankful that lo- the Lord lets us learn about praying and talking to Him. Amen. And I hope that you feel the same way. So uh, this is our target, talking about prayer as a way of life. So here's a question. Do you think that praying is a waste of time? Do you think that makes a difference? Anybody here? Okay, a lot of no's over here. This is sort of (laughs) non-committal. I don't know about you. Yeah. So uh, here's a question for us this morning. To what end... To what purpose are you giving away your life today? To what purpose, what end are you and I giving away our life? And, and so um, don't think that you're not giving away your life to something, right? Because everybody is giving their way away your life to something. So if you say, put a sentence, I am giving my life away to blank, what would you put in the blank today? And maybe a lot of us would put in, of course, being good Christians like we are here at Riverside, we would say, Jesus Christ. Amen? I'm giving my life away to Jesus Christ. And we would say, what? Praise God. Hallelujah. But even having said that, in Jesus Christ, what am I giving my life away towards? And that's a question for us maybe this morning. So... Very, very important. So would you allow me to just let God encourage us this morning to make you an offer that is so grand that it will stagger the depths of your heart? What do you think about investing your life's energy in prayer? What do you think about that? And so I like this topic because I find that it's what I need in my own life. And if I can get this to work. I don't think it is. So the PowerPoint, Paul. (laughs) 
Sure. There we go. So I'll swap and you can. Okay. Thank you. See, it pays to have the right power. <laughs> Amen. So I like this little summary that I saw a while ago that praying our life away, the action of prayer is the greatest need that we have. The lack of prayer is the greatest sin that we can commit. The privilege of prayer is the greatest opportunity. And the potential of prayer is the greatest power. And I like this last one. The answer of prayer is what? It is the greatest glory. And this is what God would want us to think about and to talk about this morning. And so I think that the Lord is saying to us, will we pay the price? Will we pray our life away? So, prayer, what do you think about that? Uh, we can sort of laugh about prayer a lot, and we can think about, I'm still not getting this. So what is this? Why towards you? Towards you? Yeah. <laughs> oh, really? You hit the right one. Is the one on the right? <laughs> okay. I never knew I had to point it to John. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Can I start over? <laughs> so, uh, you know, I'm like you with prayer. Uh, there's a lot of things about prayer. Sometimes it's confusing, right? And unanswered prayer and delays to prayer and, and distractions to prayer. And I, I'm just like you. And I don't know if you've ever felt like prayer is like calling on God's voicemail. Have you ever felt that way? So here's a little humor about this that I read a while back. It's like voicemail. So imagine that you're praying to God. You're calling on God, right? And uh, here's what you hear. Here's the message. Press 1 for requests. Press 2 for thanksgiving. Press 3 for complaints. Press 4 for all other inquiries. Please note, this call may be monitored by a patron saint for quality assurance. <laughs> I'm sorry, all of our angels and saints are busy helping other sinners right now. <laughs> However, your prayer is important to us, and we will answer it in the order it was received. <laughs> Please stay on the line. If you would like to speak to God the Father, press 5. If you'd like to speak to Jesus, press 6. If you'd like to speak to the Holy Spirit, press 7. If you would like to hear King David sing a song while you're holding, press 8. <laughs> To find a loved one that has been assigned to heaven, press 9. Then enter his or her social security number, <laughs> followed by the pound symbol. If you receive a negative response, please hang up and try area code 666. <laughs> For reservations in heaven, please enter J-O-H-N, followed by the number 316. For answers to nagging questions about life in outer space or why you have so many problems, wait until you arrive. Our computers show that you have already prayed today. Please hang up and try again tomorrow. This office is now closed for the weekend to observe a religious holiday. Please pray again on Monday after 9.30 a.m. If you're calling after hours and need emergency assistance, please contact your local pastor, <laughs> Pastor Paul. <laughs> Just like a voicemail, right? Aren't you glad that praying 
to God is not like that, even though it's humorous, right? I remember a passage in the Bible where Jesus came into the temple one day. Remember this? And he entered the temple and he got mad. Do you remember the day that Jesus got mad? Do you think that Jesus gets mad? Jesus got mad. He took a whip. He turned over all the tables. And he drove out the people. Why did he do that? He did it because he said, my house should be a house of what? Prayer. Prayer. And you've made it a den of robbers. So we must believe that, right? Prayer is for war. Prayer is a weapon. Life is war. Amen. And God has given us prayer to make a difference in our lives and in our world. Praise the Lord. So how are we doing? How are you doing? How, how am I doing? If someone gave you some verses on prayer from the Bible, do you know what they would say? How about these? How about John 14, 13 and 14? How about John 16, verse 23? How about Mark 11, verse 24? How about 1 John 5, verses 14 and following? How about Psalm 66, verse 18? How about Matthew 7, 7 and 8? Do we know what those are? If we don't, we should look them up if we need to. But why are they not deeper in our hearts? No activity of ministry is more important than prayer. Prayer is power through Jesus Christ. Amen? I was amazed a while back in the decade of the 1990s, that decade, one day when I sat down after that decade was finished and I read this report of what God had done in that following decade. I was just astonished of the worldwide answers to prayer in the 1990s. Just consider this going back to that time. Then in that decade, the most massive growth of believers in Christ at that point we had ever seen. The most effective global network for world evangelism in that decade. The collapse of the Iron Curtain in that decade. The first fruits of harvest among Muslims for Christ in that decade. The amazing growth of the church in China in that decade. The astonishing growth of the church in India in that decade. The impact of media to reach people for Christ. All of this happened in that last decade in answer to, guess what? In answer to prayer. I read that report, and it was astounding to me to realize the potential that is there. Amen? Maybe we could even use it today, right? Maybe so. Why does God's church often fail to see His power in prayer? I looked at my own life, and I, I see that, and I tried to identify Reasons. I came up with three. One is uncontrolled busyness. Amen. A second one is unchallenged apathy. And the third one is unconfessed sin. What do you think? What would be the reasons? I know that God wants Riverside Church, every local church, to be a house of prayer. And, and I praise the Lord that that's, that's the desire here in this congregation and many good things are happening and many of you are on board and you're praying and, and it's just exciting to see and it's so, so great. And, and uh, But you know what? We need more. 
we need more. Amen? Do you know what the key word in that last sentence was? We need more? It's not more. The key word is need. We need more to see what God is doing. And so I praise God for that. And we have so many opportunities. So, uh, George Barna was writing on that prayer, and he said it's not enough for the pastor to pray fervently, and it's not enough for the leadership team to pray ardently on behalf of the congregation until the church owns, owns prayer as a world-class weapon in the battle against evil and cherishes prayer as a means of intimate and constant communion with God. Until that happens, the turnaround effects of a body are severely limited, if not altogether doomed to failure. George Barna. Brothers and sisters in Christ, let us consider these things. It's time to clean house because company is coming. And the Lord is on His way. Amen. Are you with me on this? Anybody agree with this? Amen. So anyway, that, that's all sort of an introduction here. And I apologize for being so long with it. When I was a young Christian, you know, I was just like most of you. You know, I really struggled. And I still struggle many times with prayer. Anybody still? And, and so, but I was trying to figure out back then, especially... You know, what do you need to do? What are, what are the basics? What are the, the found, what's the foundation of a good prayer life, of, of answers to prayer? You know, and, and uh, I'm thankful over the years that the Lord showed me some things that I'm still working on very, very much. But I'd like to just take a few, the rest of our time this morning and share that with you. And uh, it's just basic stuff. Uh, you, if you were standing up here, you could do this just like I'm doing it. You could talk about it. Uh, but you know what? Even this week when I was getting ready for the message, I realized again how much I need it, how much I need to review these principles, these attitudes. So uh, does that make sense? I'd like to just share some of these thoughts with you. How to talk to God. These are five prayer attitudes. And uh, if you're interested in this, you might want to take some notes and jot them down or, or maybe just memorize it as you go along. Are we ready? You ready for this? What are some good prayer attitudes? So, number one, the basic one. We should pray in Jesus' name. Let's pray in Jesus' name. Amen? And so John 14, 13 and 14, Jesus said, And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name, and what? And I will do it. The words of Jesus Christ there. So we praise God for that. The, the concept here to grab hold of is dependence. I'm depending on the person and work of Jesus Christ when I pray. And to pray in Jesus' name means something like this. It means to pray in the authority of Christ based on the merits of Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. Amen? So that is the most, that's the first one and most important one of all that we might say. It is dependence upon the name and the work of Jesus Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection. So hallelujah. 
So when I pray and when you pray, I don't come in my name at all. That would be terrible. I don't come in the name of Riverside Church. That would be nice, but not necessary. But we come in the name of Jesus Christ. That's the only ground. And it's because of what Jesus did on the cross for us that we can even go have any right to go into the presence of God the Father. Amen? And we come in Jesus' name. So it's, it's so neat. Uh, our, when our oldest son was about 19 years, 19 months old, uh, I was walking with him one day in Kansas. It was snowing, and I slipped and fell. Yeah, I held on to him. He was okay. <laughs> Nothing happened. But I noticed that ever after that, every once in a while when I was carrying him, he would look at me and he would say, fall, fall, <laughs> fall. Like, you know, when is my dad going to fall the next time? And, uh, and I get that, right? So I was extra careful. But you know what? When we go to God, our Father, He's our Heavenly Father, we never have to say that. Fall? Fall? No, because we have confidence in the name of Jesus Christ. So when we pray, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. So it's not just a, a phrase you add it on at the end, but it's okay if you do, and I like to do it. But it's what it means when we do pray that. That means, of course... That you have to be saved. Just as Tony was talking about this morning. If someone asked me, well, Dave, does God answer everybody's prayers? The answer to that is no. He'll especially answer your prayers if you're a child of God, if you're born again, if you put your faith in Jesus Christ and you start out praying in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. And, and so that's number one. So, okay, ready for the next one? That's the first prayer attitude. Here's another one that's really good. Second, we should pray in what? In faith. Don't you love this verse? Mark 11:24. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. Did you catch that? That is a fantastic promise. So what is this one all about? The word there is expectation. We come to God expecting Him to do something. Amen? That's what faith is all about. It means to pray with confidence in God that it will turn out exactly the way He has said. Expectation. So praise the Lord for faith. Amen and amen, right? So, you probably, uh, most of us, or many of us, probably heard that old story about the church in the tavern. You hear that one? So I think I'll get this right. So uh, the church, or this one place, was having trouble with this tavern. They were opposing and made, you know, doing all kinds of harassing against the church. And, and it was just upsetting everything that they wanted to do. So the church decided that they would have a prayer meeting and they would pray against the tavern. So they got everybody together, had this great big prayer meeting. They prayed against the tavern. And lo and behold, one night... When nobody was there, one night, lightning struck the tavern and it burned to the ground. Well, the people who owned the tavern were really upset, of course, and they blamed the church. You know, the church did this and the church did that. And so they sued them and they took it to court and they went to court. 
And they said, and the church blamed the tavern, and the tavern blamed the church for this happening. And the judge, you know, thanked the Lord, ruled in favor of the church. And then he made this comment. He said, but the thing that is interesting to me, folks, is that I think that the people in the tavern believe more in the power and prayer than the people in the church. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> when we pray, do we pray in faith with expectation? So this is just a cool verse, and uh, a lot we could say about it. But faith is confidence in God. When we pray, and you get hold of something that God wants for you to do, you have to get hold of something that God wants, you can pray with confidence, with faith. Amen? So that means when I come to God, I pray, and I know this, I know that He, he can answer my prayers. I know that he maybe will answer my prayer. But here's the thing that this verse is saying. I believe he has answered it already. Did you catch that from the verse? There are three tenses, present, future, and past. That verse has all three. Present tense is when you pray. Future tense is you will be granted it. The one in the middle is past tense. You believe that he has already done it. So check out Daniel in the Old Testament where Daniel prayed and God answered his prayer and it took three weeks to get the answers down on earth. But God had already answered it. And I think this is so great that if you get hold of something that is definitely from God, that is what he wants, you can have this attitude and you can pray and then God in his time will answer that prayer. And that's praying in faith. Hallelujah. Does this make sense? This is so, so neat. So let's go on now. Here's another one. What do you think about this one? An attitude. We should pray according to what? To God's will. So there's great verse here. 1 John 5. This is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have that which we have asked of Him. Isn't that cool? That this is praying according to God's will. And so, the key concept behind that is surrender. I'm surrendering to God's will, right? Whatever His will is in this, prayer, this is praying for things clearly revealed to be God's will in the Bible and by the leading of the Holy Spirit. God will never lead me to do anything to contradict His written word. Amen? But if it's God's will, then I can know that God is going to work in a special way. So don't you like this one? This one is a little hard, I think. I, I think it's a little hard. Alexander Solzhenitsyn wrote a book called A Day in the Life of Ivan Denisovich. And in there, the main character, Ivan, endured all the horrors of a Soviet prison camp. And one day he's praying there with his eyes closed, and a fellow prisoner notices him praying, and he says to him with ridicule, prayers aren't going to help you get out of here any faster. And opening his eyes, Ivan says, I'm not praying to get out of prison. I am praying to do the will of God. Isn't that good? 
I'm praying to do the will of God. So God wants me to ask for things that will glorify him. The will of God is revealed in the word of God. Remember, even Jesus, when he was in the garden, this is astonishing. He prayed, not my will, but your will be done. So what a great model for us. I come to God and you come to God with no agenda, no agenda with my requests. And as the Lord's Prayer says, may your will be done on earth as it is where? In heaven. We want to pray in the power of the Holy Spirit, but we want to leave the results to God. May your will be done. Nothing else, nothing more, and nothing less than your will. Hallelujah, right? What a great attitude this is. This is hard, though, isn't it? It's very hard. Let's go to another one, number four. Is this making sense, what we're doing here? So here's the fourth one, and I wish I could skip this one. It's to pray separated from all known what? Sin. So hang on a minute on this one. This is a hard one. 1 John 3. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and we receive from Him anything we ask because we keep His commands and do what pleases Him. 1 John 3. And, and of course, we're all familiar with verses like 1 John 1, 9, right? If we confess our sins... He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us. Whoa, I, I need that one every single day. So this is, this is a key attitude here. And the key concept behind it is what we could call purity. It's purity in our hearts. It means to pray with a life of confessed sins in obedience to Jesus Christ. This may be one that, at least in my life, that I fail the most in is this particular one but it's so so important so sin is nasty isn't it anybody agree with that it's it's nastier in you than me but it's it's nasty <laughs> it's nasty right one author said it this way watch out for sin because sin will always take us farther than we want to go Second, sin will always keep us longer than we want to stay. And third, sin will always cost us more than we want to pay. And that's the truth, isn't it? But praise God, we can confess our sins. We can repent of our sins. We can come back to God, and He will cleanse us and let us start over. So, does this make sense? So notice the, the attitude there. It said to pray separated from all known sin. It didn't, we didn't say to be separated from all sin. Right? Because that would be impossible. Because we all have sin in us until the day that we meet Jesus Christ. We will be dealing with our sin nature, Right? So we're not talking about being perfect or being completely holy. But what did we say? We want to pray being separated from all no. known sin. So somebody says, well, Dave, what is known sin? Well, you know, that's a good question. Just think about it. What is known sin? It's sin that you know about. Amen? 
It's not complicated. It's sin that I know about. That is sin in my life that I know about. And that is the sin that I and you, we are responsible before God to walk in fellowship with Him to confess those sins. And it says, when we walk in the light, as He is in the light, we have fellowship with Him and with each other. And the blood of Jesus Christ constantly cleanses, constantly cleanses us from all sin. Hallelujah for that. Aren't you glad for that? I I mean, at this point, I'm so glad for the grace of God. So, known sin. John Bunyan said, prayer will make a man cease from sin or sin will entice a man to cease from prayer. Remember David in the Old Testament, Psalm 139, he said, Here's a great prayer if you want a prayer from the Bible. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there's any wicked way in me and lead me in the everlasting way. That's a dangerous prayer. (laughs) That's a prayer that God will be faithful to answer if we're faithful to ask it. And we come to him and he cleanses it away. And he cleanses us. Oh, it's so good. Remember the... um, the model prayer again, lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from what? From evil. And so we, we could say a lot more about that, but this is such a, a, a blessing, isn't it? Uh, so praise God. That's number four. Okay. Let's see. Can you stand one more? Okay. Number five. I like this one too. Pray persistently. Pray persistently. Uh, a lot of good verses. But Luke 18, 1, Then Jesus told His disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. Why does He tell us that? Because I want to give up. <laughs> a lot of times, don't you? I want to give up. I pray for a while. So you, you remember another one, Matthew 7, 7 and 8. Ask, and you shall receive. Seek, and you'll find. Knock, and the door will be open. For everyone that asks, what? Receives. And he who knocks, the door will be open. Ask, seek, knock. What a great one. We could translate that particular verse accurately by saying, keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. That would be an accurate translation of that verse. It is persistence. Persistence. So the key concept here is what? Determination. Man, am I determined to keep praying until the answer comes. Are you and I? To keep on asking, seeking, knocking until God gives me a definite answer to my prayer. Hallelujah, right? Now, I, I know that you've heard it before, but, you know, sometimes God, God always answers prayer for a believer. But sometimes he says no. And sometimes he says yes. And sometimes he says slow. <laughs> right? And it's up to God. But I want to pray until I get a definite answer from the Lord to stop praying. It, it's so important. Isn't this, isn't this interesting? And we could debate or, or talk about the theology behind that, and that would be that's a good topic. But uh, we're just saying this is what the Bible says. You know, let's let's just do what the Bible says and pray that way. So make sense. 
So I remember in, in our church one time that we were having a, a service, and, and I think it was a memorial service, as I recall, and there was an elderly man, and he stood up and he gave a testimony. And uh, his name was Bill, and, his, and he gave a testimony about his wife who had gone to be with the Lord. And, and uh, Bill was a Christian, and, and he said that he was praising God for his wife and uh, that she had prayed for him for 40 years to come to faith in Jesus Christ. 40 years. And he, and he said, and, she fi- and he finally did. He finally came to Christ, and then she was in heaven. And uh, so it was just a great blessing. Can you imagine coming to church with your family for 40 years without your husband and praying for 40 years that God would save me? And she didn't quit. She did not quit. She prayed persistently. I went to the hospital one time when Bill was in the hospital and he was sick. He was Bill was a good old guy. He was a great guy, better than most of us Christians. And and he was sick and I was talking to him and I said, "Bill, all these years, all these years, why why didn't you come to Christ? Why haven't you come to Christ yet?" And he, he looked at me and he said, "I don't know." <laughs> and and I said, "Well, Bill, wouldn't this be a good day?" I mean, is there anything that would keep you from coming to Christ right now? And he thought for a minute and he said, no, I guess not. (laughs) And so we prayed right there and he received Christ into his life. His wife was sitting right there beside him, full of joy. Forty years. He was in his 80s. He started coming to church right away. Started coming to Bible studies. He got baptized right away. And now they're both with the Lord, rejoicing together. See, it works, doesn't it? It works. But you know what I am? I, I pray for a little while, and nothing happens, and so what do I do? I quit. I give up. I get discouraged. I'm, you know, probably you might too. And God just says, don't do it. We want to wait on the Lord. I hate the word waiting. <laughs> wait on the Lord. And how do you wait on the Lord? Well, I'm, in, I'm grinding my teeth, and oh, God, what's... In, No, wait on the Lord with praise. I'm praising God for what He has done. I'm praising God for what He is doing, even though I don't see it. And I'm praising God for what He's going to do in the future. Amen? And I praise. See, the the timing of an answer to prayer and the manner of the answer to prayer is totally up to who? It's God. It's not me. So how God answers my prayer and when He answers my prayer, that's His call. That's His job. It's on His job description. But it's not on yours. And it's not on mine. And so I wait until it happens. And then I give glory to God. Amen? Are you with me on this? Is is this helpful? If you put a list together, something like this, you might add some other things in there. There are many other good things. Uh, Those are just five for me in my life. uh, As I began to learn those and still am learning them, was life-changing in my prayer life. It was helpful. These are the conditions. These are the requirements. These are the things that I need to... Think about as I'm seeking God and asking God to answer my prayers. Praise the Lord for that. So we have an invitation from God today. And He's inviting to all of us, He's he's inviting us to pray our life away. 
Would you be willing to do that? God invites you and me to a day or maybe a year or maybe a lifetime of serious, serious prayer. And you might say, well, Dave, what what can I do now? I mean, give me some ideas. You already know the ideas, I'm sure. But just uh, within our own congregation, one of the things that we can do is make sure that we have our own personal quiet time with the Lord. Do you have a time every day that you're spending reading the Word and in prayer? If you're a believer in Christ, you should. Another idea is that you could join a Bible study or a home group and pray together with some other folks. Another idea is you could join the women's prayer group that meets on Thursdays, Thursdays I think here, and, and prays for two hours. That would be great. Many of you are doing that. Another idea is that you could join the Sunday morning prayer time that we have before the service at 9 o'clock in the back. You know, God is working. And another one is that you could join and come to our quarterly all-church prayer meetings. The next one is the first Sunday of November. You could do those things. And the idea is, you know, at least do one. But many of us can do more than one. You could do two. You maybe could do three. What if all of us were just doing many of those things together and God was just solidating this in our hearts and stirring our hearts because we believe that prayer is serious and that it works. Anybody with me on that? You agree? So let me tell you a story. You know Dwight Moody, right? D.L. Moody. We're sort of at the anniversary of the great Chicago fire. Maybe you read that recently. Terrible thing that happened in Chicago. And uh, devastated the whole city, but it also devastated Moody's church, the tabernacle. And, and uh, it devastated the people. It devastated his ministry. It was just totally destructive all the way around. And it, and it sent Moody reeling. It sent him into depression. And so he wanted to get away. And so he and his wife, Emma, decided that they would sail to England at that time. It was 1872. And all he wanted to do was rest, rest, rest and study. And that's all. He wasn't going to preach anymore. But you know how that goes. So he was there over there. And, uh, and so he was there and he went to a church service one Sunday. And the pastor said, I'd like for you to come and preach next Sunday. And so, you know, <laughs> it's hard to say no sometimes when you're a preacher. And uh, so he agreed to come. And so he went the next Sunday morning and he preached at that church Sunday morning. He was dead as nails. He was dead. He, didn't, he thought he was wasting his time. He didn't know what in the world was going on. He didn't know why he was even there. And they had him scheduled for Sunday evening, so he had to come back. He had to come back Sunday evening. So he came Sunday evening, and it couldn't have been any more radically different than Sunday morning. He was preaching, he said, he wrote, it seemed as if the very atmosphere was charged with the Spirit of God. It was though there was a hush from heaven upon the people. He couldn't even believe it himself. He didn't know what was going on. And so it was his custom at the end of his sermon to say to the congregation, If there's anybody here who wants to become a Christian, would you stand up so that we can pray for you? He says that all the time, and he did it that day. And almost at once, scores of people stood up to their feet. He couldn't believe it. And he thought to himself, they must not have understood me. 
<laughs> they, they didn't know what I meant when I gave an invitation. That's just what happened. And so he decided to do it again. So he said it again. He gave the invitation again. More clearly, he said, everybody who wants to become a Christian, just step out into the inquiry room and we'll talk with you. And at that, almost the whole sanctuary emptied. Almost everybody went into the, into the room. It was amazing. There were so many people in there. Neither him or the, the pastor of the church had ever seen anything like that before. And so Moody, being the man of faith he was, he thought once more, there must be a mistake. <laughs> I must be misunderstood. So in the inquiry room, he said it again to the people. He said, everybody that wants to really become Christians, st stand up, rise up. And the whole audience stood up in the inquiry room. He had no idea what to do. So he decided <laughs> that he would have the people come back the next night and talk to the pastor. <laughs> <laughs> and so he left. He and his wife Emma left. They left for another place. Well, two weeks later, they got a letter from this guy at the church, the pastor. It was an urgent letter saying, you've got to get back here. You've got to get back here. Because there were more inquirers on Monday than there were on Sunday. The next day. And it was stunning, but obviously great news to Moody. And so back they came. And they came back to this church. And they held meetings for 10 days. And hundreds of people, hundreds of people were converted to Jesus Christ and welcomed into the church. It was an unexpected time of spiritual revival. Hallelujah to God. Moody couldn't figure out what happened. But then one day he found out. You see, there were two sisters in that church, one of whom was homebound. She was unable to even get out and get out of bed. The other one was able to go, but not very much. And those sisters were prayer warriors, those two sisters. They had prayed. The one sister that was homebound said, I can't do anything else for the Lord but I can pray. And so I'm just going to spend my whole day in bed praying. And so she did. And for a long time, nothing happened. And then one day she read in the newspaper about this guy over in America who was preaching. His name was Moody. And she didn't know him from Adam. She didn't know anything about him. She said, well, I'm going to pray that God will bring him to our church. And that's how Moody ended up at that church. And so he was there that Sunday morning. His, her sister went to church. She came home and said, guess what? This guy, Moody, was at our church this morning. So the two of them went to prayer that afternoon. And that evening is when the Lord broke out and the Holy Spirit came. One or two ladies who simply, they just believed in prayer. And I think about that, and I think, God, why not me? And why not you? F.B. Meyer said, the greatest tragedy in life is not unanswered prayer, but unoffered prayer. So this morning, friends, dear friends, brethren, God invites you and me to something special. Would we come to God this morning and tell God, I'm ready to pray my life away. 
Would we come to God this morning and say, God, I'm ready to dare to care. Lord, I'm ready to pay and pray the price. God, would you take me? May there be a great crowd at Riverside Community Church who will declare to the Lord in these days, in this terrible world, Lord, sign us up. Sign us up. We're coming to you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And hey, you guys, thanks for patience again. The last but not least thing of all this, this is really challenging to me personally, but everything that we've been talking about so far means nothing unless you're a Christian. You may not have Christ in your life and And so all of this stuff, all these ideas and all these stories, uh, they don't count at all. But I want to tell you some good news this morning. About 53 years ago, I prayed probably the first serious prayer that I ever prayed in my whole life about 53 years ago. The first serious prayer I ever prayed. You know what? And God heard that prayer that day and he answered that prayer that day and that answer is still true in my life today. You know what that prayer was? It was a prayer to receive Jesus Christ into my life. There's a verse in Revelation that is primarily for Christians, but I I think it's good for non-Christians as well, where Jesus said this. He said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and will dine with him and he with me. Jesus Christ is knocking at the door of our life today. If we hear and we invite him in, guess what happens? He comes in. He is our Lord and Savior. We believe that he paid the penalty for our our sins. We admit that we are sinners and we need a Savior. We want to give our lives to Jesus, just like Tony was talking about today. So 53 years ago, I prayed a prayer, very short, but God answered that prayer. And maybe that's you today. Maybe this could be the first serious prayer that you have ever prayed in your life. And you could do it right now right where you sit and invite Christ into your life. Hallelujah. We would say to you, go for it. Do it today without delay. And all God's people said, and Father, we thank you. We love you. Thank you for inviting us to know you and to love you and follow you. Oh God, would you make us a house of prayer. Father, we would greatly just praise your name for the rest of our days if we could just participate with you and the Holy Spirit in this great work that you're doing around the world. So bless your people today, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Please stand.